Hi, and welcome to Rich in Relationship. And today we're speaking with Regina, I want to call you Virginia, I don't know why, Regina DeMeo, who is a former professor. She's a matrimonial attorney who specializes in mediation and collaborative law. And this year she was on the 2020 Top Lawyers in the Washingtonian, which is really esteemable. How are you today, Regina? I'm great, thank you for having me. It's great to have you. So uh, the question I ask everyone on Rich in Relationship is how did your heart or your passion lead you to the work that you do? So it's a long answer that I'll keep short. <laughs> uh, but basically I grew up with just my mother and grandmother mm -hmm. in New York City. And I was always fascinated by everybody's families, right? Like, I mean, I didn't have uncles or aunts and cousins and um, my mother never married, so I didn't have a stepfather. So these, these amazing, complicated family situations that everybody else had were just so fascinating to me. And so when I finished law school, uh, I just really gravitated towards family law and mm -hmm. helping families reconfigure. I love that. I love that. And of course, today we're going to talk about forgiveness, which is, which is a great theme given where we are in our lives and what's going on in the world. And how does forgiveness connect to family law? So, I mean, we have to practice it almost every day, right? I, I mean, there's a lot of disappointment when you're going through a divorce. And I say that also from personal experience, mm -hmm. right? And none of us get married thinking that there's not gonna be a happily ever after. Mm -hmm. So part of it is forgiving yourself for, for whatever role you played in, in the you know dissolution of the marriage, forgiving your partner for not meeting your expectations, mm. um, forgiving family members, because a lot of people tend not to be neutral. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, forgiving just society in general, like not everybody's going to be accepting of your choices. Um, there's a lot of uh, forgiveness that, that we have to work on, especially as we are reconfiguring a family and restructuring into two households. Yeah, I was just talking with my coach actually uh, before I got on this call and we were talking about, I was talking about how a matrimonial attorney uh, who I know actually very well, been to her home, know her husband, um, had listed the 10 things that lead, that, that most likely indicate you're moving towards divorce. And I've had a really powerful reaction to that. Uh, and the reaction was, well, you could be moving towards divorce or you could be, it could be just an indicator that maybe you need to really work on your marriage. I, you know, I, I thought it doesn't necessarily mean that, but what it brought up was this idea that, you know, you, we often, we, we fall in love, right? We fall in love and falling in love is a limited state. It's like, two to three year shelf life is what the studies show. Like, and a lot of times people say, oh my God, I'm not in love anymore. I need to get out of this relationship. But more often than not, what happens is they have children and they hang in there for a while. And then it gets, and they start leading kind of these parallel lives where these indicators that she was talking about come up. Right. Um, and then they say, oh my God, this is the worst. I gotta get out of here. And it's, and it's all her fault or it's all his fault. And if I just get rid of them, it's all going to be better, which of course, you know, as someone who works with couples is a fallacy. If you have, ch particularly if you have children together, whatever is not working in your marriage is not going to work in your co-parenting relationship. So I imagine um, that this is what makes forgiveness, if not for yourself and for your co-parent important, 
for the children. And I, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, um, actually, I'm wondering, first of all, can you operate on forgiveness just for the children? Or is this something that we really need to do for ourselves as well? No, I think that's a good starting point sometimes. Is to, you know, we will do a lot of things for our children that we probably wouldn't do for ourselves, right? If you're a, a decent parent, you will sacrifice for your kids. Truth. So that's a good starting point. But I think eventually we all sort of realize, wow, it's actually a gift to yourself to be able to let go of that anger, to let go of the pain, mm. to just focus on the future instead of dwelling on the past. It's actually an inner peace that you're able to achieve. Mm -hmm. And so just for the sake of our listeners, let's pretend that maybe they don't know, uh, probably most people know what mediation is. Maybe they don't know what, some people certainly don't know what collaborative divorce is. What is collaborative divorce and how does forgiveness play a role in that, if at all? So uh, at its bare bones, you would have in a collaborative process, two lawyers and two clients who all sign a contract agreeing not to go to court and focus on settlement outside of court. Mm -hmm. And we agree to maintain the status quo. So nobody's afraid of a bank account being raided or mm -hmm. right, like any, any, anything being taken out of a house that's valuable. Uh, we agree to full disclosure, which you'd have to do anyway in court under discovery rules. So it's just a more amicable process, but that doesn't mean that there aren't messy situations in a collaborative divorce. There's adultery, there's, you mm -hmm. know, usually some sort of financial infidelity, uh, all, all the usual uh, elements are still part of a collaborative divorce. It's just that these people have made a choice to uh, enter into a confidential process that is focused on, mm -hmm. on moving forward. But I would imagine that if you were really angry with your spouse, it would be harder to enter into a collaborative divorce and you'd be more drawn to litigation where almost anything goes. I was going to say anything goes, but that really isn't true. Right? But, you know, litigation does tend to have more of a warfare mindset or maybe a better way to put it is a negotiation mindset. So I'm going to ask for the moon so that I can get what I really want. Um, it's, you know, it tends to be part of that negotiation process. And, and so if you're really angry, you're, you're going to be all for, yeah, I'm going to go for the moon and I'm going to take everything else too. But in, if you're entering into collaborative, I'm guessing that kind of feeling is going to be less helpful. Oh, it's definitely less helpful, but there is a way to contain that. So the, the beauty of a collaborative process is we can involve coaches early on. Mm -hmm. Like if I see that a client uh, is, is super angry, I will ask them to work with a divorce coach uh, or, you know, we call them parent coaches also mm -hmm. uh, to work on their communication, also work on the parenting plan, but most importantly, just to calm down those emotions, because this is a legal process and you should not be making legal decisions from an emotional standpoint. So can we delve into the mechanics of forgiveness a little more since I, I think, well, actually being a coach who works with people who get divorced, I know that forgiveness is a really vital part of that process. I mean, to get off of that blame and anger and sense of hurt so that you can come to the table uh, with a more win-win mindset really does require some level of forgiveness. I wonder, could we explore that a little deeper? And what would you say, which I'm sure you say yes. No, no, we're not gonna talk about forgiveness, Rich. Um, what do you think the first step is in the forgiveness process? To me, the first step is to define what it's not. So it's actually not about forgetting what's happened or mm -hmm. forgiving the person for whatever behavior um, you know, was, was upsetting. 
it's not even about making yourself vulnerable or or necessarily continuing in the relationship, right? So it, it's not any of those things. Um, and to me, what it is, is a process of letting go of working through these different layers and making a choice, right? Nobody can force you to forgive somebody else, mm -hmm. but you can make a choice uh, to help establish inner peace. And, and so to me, that's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a gift to yourself and, and to your kids. So that first step, what I hear you saying, that first step, it's really important to understand that when we move towards, not even making the decision, but when we consider forgiveness, what we're not doing is we're not making the other person right. We're not validating any actions that they've taken, nor are we saying that, that we're going to be vulnerable or open to that person or that kind of person. So for, you know, sometimes, and I think that's really important. I think when we hold on to anger, it's often, you know, we we go from, oh my God, how could this happen to me to, heck, I am never going to let this happen again. And I'm going to get anyone who's like that. So I'm not going to let them, I'm not going to let anyone near me. So that, that doesn't happen, which is an overreaction. And really when we move to forgiveness, we're, we're identifying the problem and we're preparing to, to let go, as you put it, but we're not, what we're not doing is saying, oh, hell, come and do it again, or, you know, anything like that, or you, you know what, you're really okay. It's not even, we're not even making them okay. They can, no. we could still think that they're evil, uh, narcissistic, whatever label you want to put on them, people, and, and forgive them. Right. It's about not letting them occupy that space in your mind, right? It's, it's very valuable property, <laughs> like where mm -hmm. I choose to, you know, focus my, my mind. And so to me, it's about no longer having that person occupy that space and, and, and you apply your, your positive energy elsewhere. Yeah. That reminds me, there's a quote that, uh, holding a resentment is like eating poison and hoping the other person dies. Exactly. And so what you're saying is that when we're, when we're not forgiving, when we're living, living in resentment and it takes energy, by the way, it I can speak from experience. It takes energy to maintain a resentment. My mother did not forgive my father for maybe 20 years after they got divorced until one day as an adult, I said to her, what is up with this? You, like he's dead. He was dead at this point. Like, well, how can you still be mad at this guy? And she had like this aha moment that it had occupied so much space in her mind. And she was finally able to say, yeah, you know, she started to focus on the lessons she learned from him instead of how horrible he was. Like this radical switch happened. She, she realized that she had spent 20 years or 30 years or whatever it was feeding this resentment, feeding this anger. And that was all emotion that she could have been putting into some other aspect of her life. Because, you know, we have, a, a, there's only so much energy that we have each day to use, to invest. That's right. All right, so when we, so when we become prepared to forgive, uh, we, we've already identified, it's not about who they are. It's really about what it's doing to us. Right. And you mentioned that the next step is to make a decision. You know, if you get it clear on all that and you make a decision, once you make that decision, it's like, bam, epiphany, you know, I'm cleansed. Uh, forgiveness is, comes upon me. I mean, yeah, I, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, to me, it's a process, right? Like, there's three parts, in my opinion. One is, well, identify the source of the pain or the anger. Then try to understand what was that person's um, motive or intent. 
And then the third part is weigh your options and figure out what's a solution that works for you. That's very mm. much like a collaborative process, right? Mm -hmm. What's the issue at hand? What are the options? And find a solution that works for you. So to me, it's important to understand, well, who is this person in your life, right? If it's my mother or my father, my, my child, a good friend, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be far more motivated to work through this forgiveness process. Mm -hmm. If it's a stranger or you know, a colleague that's not really part of my life, I'm not going to spend too much time dwelling on this, right? Because it, it's not, they don't rank. Right. If you right? drive, if you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off, it's just not worth it because you'll probably never see them again anyway. Exactly. So like who, who is that person in your life? And then what is it that they did? But if it's right? the mother of my child or the father of my child, that's a whole nother ball game. Exactly. And then was it a, like a conscious, you know, um, breach of some agreement or was it some accidental, um, you know, act that, or maybe like a expectation that wasn't met, but I didn't really, um, articulate that expectation. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so what is it that actually happened is important to me and why was it because there maybe was a breakdown in communication. That's totally different from somebody intentionally cheating on me, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's not a mistake. That is a choice to have a different relationship and exclude that from. Yeah, so I've heard the, the other side argue, well, it just kind of happened. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't choose it. Oh, but yeah, I've heard that I, I too. <laughs> but regardless of what they're coming out of their mouth, there was an agreement or an understanding that it was going to that it was going to be a monogamous relationship, and that understanding has been broken, regardless right. of the circumstances. Yeah. Right. And then you make your own choice, right? And you can you can choose to forgive to the of like at the extreme of taking them all, all the way back and giving them another chance, or mm -hmm. the other at the other extreme is just like cut the relationship and let it go, let mm -hmm. it go, don't let it continue to consume you. Got it. And um, I I have a friend who uh, he's a virtual friend, of course. Like we make so many friends virtually who has this reach system of forgiveness. And he points out that once we make the decision that that's, it, 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 that sense of hurt, even though we may rationally get super clear on, all right, this is something that happened. All right, I'm ready to move on. All right, you know, um, even though he cheated on me, he's the father of my children, so I need to make this work. And so what that means is I'm going to be very careful about the kinds of agreements that I enter into and how I and hold them to a super high level of accountability or whatever your decision-making pro. Or maybe it's I'm never going to enter into any kind of agreement with them again, which might not be so good for the children, but you're going to figure out some way that you're going to handle that sense of vulnerability that comes out of that experience. Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't mean that we're not going to go back to, when we're talking to that person, go back to that SOB <laughs> from time to time. And his, in, in the REACH system, he suggests that you reaffirm that commitment to forgiveness when that happens. So the choice is you can go back to that feeling and keep investing in that energy, or you can just acknowledge that it's present and refocus on, all right, but I'm going to forgive him because I'm, you know, it's not helping me to go there and it's not helping my children for when I go there. So instead I'm going to focus on forgiving him. I know I'm not vulnerable today and I can move forward. It's just focus on it again, focus on it again, focus on it again. I'm, I'm wondering how often does that, when you're working with people, how often is that kind of action needed and come up? 
Right. So the people that I work with are, are obviously making the choice to leave a situation where mm -hmm. there's been a betrayal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the trust that we have to reestablish is not in a romantic sort of way. It's, it's just in a co-parenting mm -hmm. way. Okay. So I'm going to trust you are still going to be a good dad, even though you're, you're a crappy spouse. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to trust that you're going to feed the children, get them to school on time. And, 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 a, and a lot of it is um, going to be trial and error during that separation period. That person has to prove, even if they never did anything before for the kids, if they really want to share custody, they're going to prove that they they can do all of these things, mm -hmm. feed the children, get them to school, make sure they do their homework, get them to bed on time. Mm -hmm. And so there is a whole rebuilding of trust process that mm. happens separate from a reconciliation. And that might even help. I mean, as, as they show, as the person proves they can be trustworthy in other areas, uh, you know, th right. then it might be easier to let go. And by that person, I didn't give him credit as Professor Everett Worthington, who has a whole, and if, you know, if anyone's ever interested in that reach forgiveness system, uh, it's on his website, just Google Dr. Professor, Dr. Professor Everett Worthington and put R-E-A-C-H forgiveness system. And he's got, you can download his workbooks, might be useful for your clients, I don't know. Um, but this yeah. guy's this guy's done uh, scientific studies on the reach system and validated it and it's tested and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, and his, you know, his point being that uh, forgiveness doesn't just happen. No, no, but you know, a, over time, if someone is paying their child support on time, they're making their alimony payments, they're, they're meeting their financial obligations. You got to at least give them credit for that. Cause not everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you have, if they don't, you have a whole new thing to work on there. So yeah, I'm curious about that. In the clients that you've worked with, what's the difference that you notice between people who embrace forgiveness and people who embrace resentment? So first of all, those that embrace resentment, um, I find a hard time working with them. They're just mm. angry, they have negative energy, and I don't have a lot of time and space for that negative energy in my life. So you're gonna repel a lot of people that might be very helpful to you if, you, if you're that kind of person. Uh, not to mention, it's gonna cost a lot more in court because if you're angry and, and you wanna fight over everything, well, that that is gonna raise your bill by a lot. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, that's a lot of negative consequences already, in my opinion. You're, 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 not, you're gonna limit the people that wanna work with you and you're gonna spend a lot of money. And there's also a time factor because especially during COVID, let's just be clear, <laughs> the courts are super backlogged. Yeah. And someone's little family dispute is not really high on the agenda, right? We have criminal trials that have been postponed. We have abuse and neglect cases that need to be addressed. A, a family dispute is, is like really low in terms of priority right now. Mm -hmm. So good luck getting in front of court anytime soon. So the, the price of holding on to resentment is in your divorce is that it goes on much longer. It may end up before a judge in collaborative. Well, everything ends up before a judge, but in, in mediation and collaborative, the, you have the opportunity to come to a complete settlement and just give it to a judge to, to stamp. Whereas if you're resentful and it goes on and on and on, the judge may actually have to settle the dispute itself, which is they don't want to do, they don't have the time for, it's very time consuming. And in their world of priorities, it's somewhere here versus, you know, much higher conflicts that they could be dealing with. 
but I think the huge disadvantage is you lose control of your own process. Right. When you're, I mean, in, they may when not you're like in resentment and you can't and you can't make you can't come to agreement with the other party, you lose control of your process and you're much more likely to get a decision that you're unhappy with. Right. Especially because judges do not like angry people, right? It comes across in the testimony. No one, no one likes angry people. <laughs> right. So uh, they they were not going to take too kindly in their decision if they find that somebody abused the process just to try and get some revenge. So the pl big plus of forgiveness is that it allows you to release the pain. It allows you to not keep investing emotion into a mode of behavior that ultimately is going to bear sour fruit. So exactly. If you stay in resentment, your attorney is going to have a harder time working with you, may not even enjoy it. Um, you're probably going to end up having a judge resolve your dispute for you instead of resolving it yourself through your attorney or through a third party and everyone around you is going to be unhappier including you but if you choose forgiveness you have a shorter divorce a happier resolution you're more likely to find a way to you may not like the other person but you're more likely to find a way to work with the other person than if you stay in resentment um, and you're going to spend less. And then there's always the children, you know, in the, in the resentful approach, the divorce is longer and the children suffer more. And after the divorce is over, they're suffering from your resentment. In the forgiveness model, even if you don't like the other person, you're finding ways to at least work together in a business format so that the children see that their parents are capable of being of one mind when it comes to their well-being. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the worst cases I dealt with recently was a, a trial that went on for over two years. And the, you know, even though my client won at the end of the day on most issues, uh, you know, the, the children's college fund was completely spent. Mm -hmm. And um, the children are like, they're not speaking to one of the parents right now. So wow. was that really a good outcome? <laughs> I don't so, think so. So painful. So, um, we're coming to the end of our time together. And I just, again, I wanna thank you for taking the time to share with me and with the audience. And I, what I always ask people is at the end is what's the legacy Regina DeMeo wants to leave behind? Well, to me, my legacy is, is all the, the lectures I've done and, and the uh, publications of, of, you know, encouraging people to, to really resolve their own problems, to, to work outside of the court process and, and understand that understanding is the enemy of conflict. We're always gonna mm -hmm. have conflict. You can't avoid conflict in life, but we'll work on understanding why you have that conflict and, 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 and focus on the solution side, mm -hmm. not, not the blaming, that, that, that's not gonna help. You know? it's oh, a, and it's a, what, what if somebody wants to find you? How can they find you? Uh, so my website is reginademeo.com and on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, you can just uh, look for Gen X Smarty. That's my, that's my handle. And uh, great. And are there any limits to your practice in terms of location? Well, I'm only licensed in Maryland and DC. Mm -hmm. As a mediator, uh, are there, is, is that still an important boundary? I'm just curious, actually. It is actually, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so if somebody wants to work with you professionally, they need to be in Maryland and DC. Yes. And would there be any other reason somebody might reach out to you? I mean, I'm always happy to talk to people just, uh, you know, 
for purposes of, of understanding the process and maybe helping them connect with the right person in their location because I do have a, a broad network of, of colleagues and, and it's, you know, it's, it's an amazing um, gift that I have that I have people all over so I'm happy to connect people mm -hmm. anywhere. Gotcha. And of course, we're going to have your information in the notes for this for this event, podcast, video blog, all the ways that this will come out. Um, is there, are there any upcoming events or anything that you want our audience to know about? Uh, not right now. I'm working on the, the things for 2021. Gotcha. So they should just, to stay tuned, they should go to reginademeo.com. Yep. Or, or follow you on Instagram or and the, the YouTube channel is that 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 is definitely active and awesome. and I think you're going to be one of my guests pretty soon. Yeah, actually, uh, why don't you tell tell everyone more about your YouTube channel and what's on it? Let's give that a good plug because I'm sure the content is spectacular, even if you are oh, having me on it. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I created that during COVID, and it uh, features local experts usually to help people with um, any issue that families are going through right now, whether it's, should I sell my house to, should I review my trust and estates documents? Mm -hmm. How do I, you know, refinance? Um, the, all these all these issues that we're all dealing with during COVID are, are, are important to discuss. So there's over 30, 32 videos right now. So that could help anyone anywhere. Exactly. Pretty much. I mean, unless there's something that's actually legally grounded in a particular state. And one more time, what's the what's the handle for that? Gen X Smarty. Gotcha. All right. You've been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.